Good morning to Center Church. Great to see you. I'm glad you're tuning in here to the first in our study through the book of Ephesians. We're going to spend the bulk of the summer revisiting the fundamental building blocks of our faith, fundamental building blocks of our church and our purpose as individuals and as a church family. And we're just going to take some time to begin again with the gospel, the good news. Now that might sound really elementary uh, to some of you, maybe if you consider yourself a varsity Christian, you've been at it for a while. Uh, if it sounds that way, it's because sometimes we're tempted to think of the gospel as kind of the ABCs of Christianity. And then once we get that down, you know, we start there and then we move on to more mature and complex things. Uh, a guy named Tim Keller really responds to that sentiment this way. He says, the gospel is not the ABCs of Christianity. It's the A through Z of Christianity. Uh, one of the, the fathers, maybe the father of the Protestant Reformation, Martin Luther, uh, he said it this way. He said, to progress, meaning to grow in our faith, to progress is always to begin again, to go back to the beginning, the fundamentals of the gospel. To progress is to begin again. And so this summer at Center Church, we're going to begin again in a few ways. Uh, number one, temporarily replacing what has been prior to COVID, our Sunday morning gathering. What we're going to do is we're going to be taking a walk through the book of Ephesians, sometimes referred to as the most majestic presentation of the gospel. Uh, online for now, hopefully soon in person, and we're going to be sending out notifications via text and social media uh, when each of those studies becomes available, so you can watch for those. Uh, but definitely plan for each weekend to take a look at a new section of the book of Ephesians. And now, if you've never been through the book of Ephesians, it's not a long book. Uh, it's only six chapters, just a few pages in your Bible. But I promise it will change your thinking. So that's the first thing. We're going to study through the book of Ephesians the most majestic description of the gospel. The second thing we're going to do this summer is, for those of you who are in community groups, community groups are going to be taking on a project called Gospel Above All. And it's exactly what it sounds like. Gospel Above All. Begin again with the simple, simple things. Now, I just want to issue you a pastoral challenge. If you're part of Center Church, if this is your church home, I want to encourage you to go all in for this. Don't, don't dabble around it. Don't uh, show up when it's convenient. I want to just challenge you to go all in, be fully engaged. It's eight weeks long, and it is essential. The matters of discussion are essential to our personal relationship with God and to our fruitfulness as a church. So we're going to study through Ephesians, gospel above all in community groups. And the third thing that's going to happen this summer is we're going to be having a number of in-person meetups. Uh, of course, those are subject to change depending on uh, the COVID situation and uh, the regulations around our facility. Uh, you can get information about those by just heading to our online campus, centerchurchonline.com. Just hit the events tab and uh, any information that's important, pertinent to those gatherings will be published right there. So now that our weekly rhythm has been totally upset by COVID-19, we're just going to take this opportunity to begin again, to rediscover Christ, to rediscover what it means to be in a relationship with God, uh, to ask questions like, what's my role in the big story that God's up to? 
what is the church doing and how will we know if we're being fruitful, if we're winning. And I believe that this season is going to produce in us a church family that is more fruitful, more full of life and purpose than ever before. So you're going to want to have a Bible uh, handy. I want to encourage you to use a paper Bible. I know that's kind of old school. A lot of us are accustomed to just using our device, which is great. I do that all the time. Um, But I think if you have a a paper Bible, it's going to be handy because you're going to want to mark it up as we go through. So plan on using that. Here we go. Paul's majestic presentation of the gospel, the book of Ephesians. Now, uh, there's a lot of potential introductory information about the book of Ephesians. I just want to make mention of just a couple of things. The first one is just the landscape, just the overall view of kind of what's happening. Uh, the, The nuts and bolts of it, the basic information is this. The Apostle Paul visited a place called Ephesus on a missionary journey right around the year 55 AD. You can read about that missionary journey in the book of Acts, uh, beginning in chapter about chapter 18, 19, right in there, you'll find his visit to Ephesus. Uh, Later on, after Paul had left Ephesus, uh, quite some time after, he was actually imprisoned because there were influential people who were, uh, they basically viewed the gospel of Christ as a threat to their power. And so Paul was arrested and imprisoned, and he wrote this letter to the Christians in Ephesus from prison, right around the year between about 60 and 62 AD. This book to the Christians at Ephesus, the book of Ephesians, this is that letter that he wrote. Uh, Now, it's important to know that um, during the intervening time after he left Ephesus, the church began to grow and spread, and so he wasn't writing the letter to a specific person or like a specific house church or small group of Christians, he was writing it to all the churches in the region. So rather than writing it to say to Center Church, a specific church in Spokane, he would have been writing to all the Christians, all the churches in the Spokane area. My point being, the book of Ephesians is for every Christian, not just one specific reader. It's for you, it's for me, it's for everyone who's a follower of Christ. So so that's kind of the sense of the landscape. But the other piece of introductory information, uh, information that I just Uh, throw is the format of the letter. This is really, really important because it demonstrates how we conceptualize the work of Christ. Uh, The letter was written in two sections, what Christ has given us, and secondarily, how we should respond. Uh, In a more academic setting, they might say the position of the Christian and the practice of the Christian. Uh, I would describe it this way, what we've already received, and how it changes the way we live. Now, I'll give you an example of why this is so important. One of my best childhood friends grew up in a Christian home, awesome family, great parents. But when we got older, we went totally different directions with our life. He eventually just uh, pretty much abandoned, abandoned his faith altogether. And the reason he gave was basically this. I tried that, and it didn't work for me. I'm still unhappy. Now, I don't think he's totally crazy for thinking that way. I think a lot of people think that way. What he was basically saying to me was, I go to church, I'm a good person, I pray, I even sometimes read my Bible, but I'm still unhappy. I'm still depressed. I'm still discouraged. I still don't have peace, even though I'm doing all of the right things. Now, think of that, about that for a second. He was basically saying, 
I'm doing good, but not receiving good. Do you notice how he has it backwards? My friend believes that by doing, he should be receiving. But Paul says, the way the book is laid out, you've already received. In fact, Jesus did all the doing that's involved here. So now, because you've already received, you can do from the abundance of what God has already given to you. My friend says, I do good, therefore I should receive good. But Paul says, I've received good, therefore I do good. It's backwards from maybe the way that we naturally think. Ephesians is laid out this way. Three chapters on what we've been freely given in Christ, and three chapters on how we should respond to what we've been given. Of course, when Paul wrote the letter, he didn't write in chapters and verses. We inserted those for reference later on. Nonetheless, two sections, what I've already received and how I respond. Uh, So here we go. Uh, Beginning at the very beginning, uh, we're just going to read through the first 14 verses, and I want to encourage you to make a couple of um, just simple markings and notes in there as we go. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1. It says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, just just a simple greeting, identifying the author and also identifying the audience. Verse 3 through 6 kind of grouped together. Uh, One thing I I think you'll find interesting is that in the original language, uh, of course, the Bible's translated into English. In the original language, uh, verses 3 through 14 is actually all one sentence, one thought. But we're going to break it into three parts. Verses 3 through 6, this is what it says. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Christ Jesus, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one that he loves. Now, you might draw a box around verses 3 through 6, and maybe just make a note right there. This first section, make a note that says, I am chosen by the Father. Chosen by the Father. Verse 3, Paul answers the question, what is his goal? Why am I writing this? His goal is, according to verse 3, to give praise to God. God has freely given us every spiritual blessing. Well, what is that? Galatians 5 through 22, the fruit of the Spirit, tells us that God gives us spiritual gifts. Love, joy, peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those are great starters. Those are great examples of the spiritual gifts that God gives us freely in Christ. Verse 4 and 5 tells us something really critical, really simple. It tells us that God chose you. You've been adopted into God's family. Do you have choice about how to act and how to live? Yeah, you make choices in life. All the time, every day, you're making a choice to watch this video right now. But God chose you. He wants you. Even the ugly and selfish part of you. God chose you. Why did he choose you? This is so important. Underline the phrase in verse 6, 
to the praise of his glorious grace. That's why he chose you, to show how gracious he is, to show how good he is, to show his glory. That's why God chose you. Next verse, verse 7, this is what it says. In him, Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. We have full redemption through Christ. And we shouldn't fear, we shouldn't be afraid, because God has not given us just a little grace. He's lavished his grace upon us. In fact, you could draw a box around verses 7 through 12 and make a note right there that says, I am redeemed by the Son. Redeemed by the Son. Chosen by the Father. Redeemed by the Son. Verse 9. And God made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment, to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. God is working toward the ultimate reconciliation of all things. If you wonder what God is up to in creation right now, he's working toward the ultimate reconciliation of all things. Verse 11, In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of God, who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. We can rest easy because God is working out his plans in his time, And nothing's going to stop it. God is going to accomplish his will. Now, why did God redeem you through the Son? Verse 12 tells us, to the praise of his glorious grace. You can underline that. Same phrase. Why did God redeem you? To show his glory. To show how gracious and loving he is. What is God doing so far? He's giving to you and he's demonstrating his glory. Last section, two verses, beginning in verse 13. It says, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. You guessed it to the praise of his glorious grace. You can draw a box around that last section. Uh, You are included in God's family. You can make a note around that next to that box that says, I am sealed by the Holy Spirit, chosen by God, redeemed by the Son, and sealed by the Holy Spirit. Verse 13 says that you're included in God's family, redeemed fully simply by putting your faith in Christ. Yes, as crazy as that sounds, without doing, but simply by believing that he paid the penalty for your sin by his death on the cross. And God's given us a sign to guarantee it, to guarantee your redemption. He offers us his presence, his spirit to live with us every day until we stand with him in eternity. Now draw a box around that, make a note, I'm sealed by the Holy Spirit. You don't have to worry about 
moving in and out of redemption and salvation, uh, just depending on the day, you're sealed. It's done. God chose you, which means it is settled. Three sections. Chosen by the Father, redeemed by the Son, sealed by the Holy Spirit. Now here's what I want you to notice, the big idea of this section. That the starting point, everything we've talked about so far, is all about God giving and you receiving. That's how we begin. And if you've been a Christian for a long time, that's how you begin again, by God giving and you receiving. So I want to encourage you, take a few minutes, maybe read through that again, and just reflect on the fact that God has given you and sealed in you everything that is necessary for you to be redeemed, for you to live out His plans for your life, for you to walk closely with Him. I'm looking forward to going through the rest of the book with you. We'll see you again soon. Have an awesome day.